This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Evil is afoot, Daniel. Evil is afoot. You know, I'm glad you said that because that's a question I addressed uh, or a statement I addressed this weekend on a number of appearances on cable news that, ladies and gentlemen, we are no longer dealing with. Um, with political differences, tactical differences, ideological differences in approach right now, we are dealing with straight up raw, unadulterated, immoral, unethical evil. And if you don't recognize that, which I'm sure most of you do, um, you need to wake up right away and realize this is a street fight. This is a no rules, NHB, no holds barred match. Make absolutely no mistake, what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh is an absolute disgrace to humankind, a stain on our country, an intergalactic cosmic imbalance mm. that if allowed to proceed will change the course of the country forever. Uh, anyone mistaking that for hyperbolic language, I'm telling you, you're not following what's going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you don't, you're not reading the tea leaves right now. If you miss, if you miss Friday's show which was recorded before Flake's, uh, Flake's Judas move, Jeff Flake, mm-hmm. the, uh, the worst, uh, most disgusting, horrible, uh, awful member of, of the United States Senate, a disgrace of a human being, um, a sellout, a traitor. Uh, believe me, Flake's waiting for the next moment to say no. So if I, I understand I've got tweets and emails from a lot of you saying, well, okay, Jeff Flake, he voted to push it out of committee. But he's demanding this FBI investigation. But Dan, we got to be careful because Flake can still sink this on the floor of the Senate. Ladies and gentlemen, Flake is gone. He's done. I'm going to get to that in a minute. He's gone. Mm -hmm. He is a traitor. He is a sellout. He is a man of so little character. He's not worthy of of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to clean your toilet bowl. Forget about being the United States Senate. Our focus has to move on from Jeff Flake started me off on a bang i wasn't even <laughs> all right before i get to that let me get to pay for the show i always appreciate your patience today's show brought to you by buddies at wax rx you all know how much i love my sponsors i only use companies and advertise companies that i would use myself and wax rx is one of those products that i found invaluable i've had a problem with earwax for a long time it was pretty significant actually when i worked in the secret service and had that earpiece in my ear all day i was wondering why i couldn't hear anything now you know i used to have to use i tried the q-tip approach and that's not a good thing you're not supposed to stick those in your ear. It even says it on the back. There's a better way now to get earwax out of your ears. Uh, it's called Wax RX. This is a customer review I saw I wanted to share with you. I used to have to go to the doctor twice a year to get rid of my stubborn, hardened earwax. With the rising cost of health care and the double deductible, I had to spend $60 per visit. That's $120 per year to treat my ears. Now I can do it myself with Wax RX and a significant savings that also doesn't require me to miss a half a day of work. Thank you, Wax RX. Right now, you can try the Wax RX system. You won't regret it. By typing in GoWaxRx.com, 
That's GoWaxRx.com and use the offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner ear wax. Who knows? It might just change your life. Visit GoWaxRx.com, offer code DAN. Okie dokes. So here's what's going on. Let me give you the umbrella view about what's happening here, here folks. Go. I'm going to give you the strategery. You're not going to hear anywhere else, and I've been given permission by some insiders to share some of this information, okay? All right. It's the benefit of having run for office a couple times and making some friends, let's say. Here's what's going on. Um, f- flake flake is done. Again, I, 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 I can't say enough. I'm trying to be relatively dispassionate about this, but it's not working. And, and one of the reasons, uh, let me just explain this because it's important and, and, it, and it relates to the story. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I've always been so down on Jeff Flake is, Joe, do you remember when I first ran for the United States Senate when I met you 2012 against Ben Cardin? You Absolutely. remember that? That's when I first met you in the yeah, studio. I sure do. Let me just ask you a, a pop quiz here. It's not a trick question. Who else do you think ran in that cycle for U.S. Senate in 2012 from Arizona? Uh, that would be Flake. I, I know that. Yeah. That would be mm-hmm. fl- You remember that. Of course yeah. you do. Now, I, we ran together. Why does that matter? And, and why is this a little I, more personal to me? I know where you're going. But, yeah, I know, because I've told you this yeah. story already. When I ran for office in Maryland, granted, I had very little shot of winning. I was a first-time candidate. I ran against an entrenched incumbent in Ben Cardin. Uh, but we needed assets. And a third-party independent, who was really more of a liberal, a guy by the name of Rob Sabani, jumped in the race, too. And it created a unique opening for us in a liberal state like Maryland to come out of that Senate seat and potentially win with a plurality if we had the funds. We were actually in the polls starting to close in on Ben Cardin. The chances, again, I'm not, I don't want to be dramatic. We're small. But the third-party candidate was going to cleave the vote if we had enough money uh, to get on the air. The money came in late from grassroots donors like you. But other groups out there, um, I'm not going to say their names, but conservative groups out there that at the time were Tea Party-oriented groups diverted a lot of funds that could have been used, maybe not just for my race. I get it. Our chances of winning were, were, were pretty small. But funds were diverted from other races that could have been competitive to a race in Arizona to support who? <laughs> Phony fraud Judas trader Jeff Flake, who took Tea Party money, Tea Party support, Tea uh, Party yeah. blood, sweat, and tears, right? To run on our banner. He took support from everyone. Again, I'm not even going to say the groups because it doesn't matter. Mm. And, and, and listen, Flake lied to them too, to be clear. I'm not blaming them. He smoked up a lot of people. But he took your money, he took your time, he took your passion, and he took your energy to run on a Tea Party banner, a banner to, to leverage it for himself and his own political gain to get elected to Congress to then turn around and absolutely screw you over repeatedly. Flake is a fraud. He is a total Judas. He is gone, folks. Listen to me. He's gone. You are making a critical mistake if you think this guy is going to vote for him. He is waiting for another delay. If he does, great. But he's only going to do it because of episodes like this. This is one of those. Someone emailed me recently about the movie The Matrix, which uh, despite the crazy directors of that movie, the Wachowski brothers, are they? The original Matrix is one of the greatest science fiction movies ever. I love it. And I got an email and it was great about how it's kind of like the, the, the Oedipus series, right? The future is unpredictable because you don't know if so. Even if someone were to know the future, the knowing of the future changes the future, right? Yes, it does. So what I'm telling you now is, it's the pressure on Flake that's going to be created by a, a, a series of 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 pressure tactics, political prayer, of course, tactics directed at Flake. That's the only way to change this guy. As of right now, Jeff Flake is a lost cause, folks. He is a total sellout. 
Forget him. So here's what's going on. Susan Collins, and this is the danger, and Lisa Murkowski, two Republicans from, uh, you know what? I didn't need, just quickly, here's what Flake, that, I, I may not have told you what Flake did. Flake on Friday voted out of committee, Kavanaugh, but said his floor vote, meaning the, the final confirmation vote, vote on the floor of the Senate, forgive me for not saying this, for the, some of you may have actually missed it. His final floor vote for confirmation of Kavanaugh he said is dependent on an FBI investigation, which he claims he wants limited in scope and time. It's all a delay tactic. He's not really, he doesn't really mean that. He's trying to push this thing out to give the Democrats enough time to damage Kavanaugh even more. This is what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. You tracking me, Joe? Oh, yeah. Flake does not want to take a vote on Kavanaugh on the floor. He does not want to be the deciding vote. Why? Because Flake is not running again. I'm not going to, I'll get back to the Collins thing, right. but this is important. Flake does not want to be the deciding vote to put Kavanaugh on the court. Why? Flake's not running again. Flake wants a job at MSNBC or some cable news outlet, some left-leaning outlet, whatever. Who cares? The Huffington Post. Flake is trying to establish his uh, I I sympathize and empathize with the left bona fides. He wants to be that guy that the media loves and adores because he's a narcissistic fool. So what he's doing right now is he's playing to their demands to cozy up to them with the hope that Kavanaugh will withdraw past the election. Joe, if this doesn't make sense, stop me. I'm with you. He will withdraw or they'll push this past the election. Flake will, uh, or, or even better, even past this when his time in office is over, past the lame duck period. He's hoping that's gone. He gets out of office and he's praying he doesn't have to take that vote. He is waiting for another opportunity to submarine Brett Kavanaugh, which is the most immoral, unethical, disgusting thing I've ever seen. I absolutely believe the people that are telling me this, that this is what he's waiting on. He does not want to take this floor vote no matter what. Here's the problem. We can lose one, Joe. Yeah. We have 51 senators on the GOP side. Obviously, you need 51 to confirm. Mm-hmm. That's the majority. It's 100 senators. I'm not talking down to anyone. I'm just some of you may be, may be new to this, right? If Flake pulls out, you may say, well, what's the problem? We have 51. Well, the vice president breaks a tie. The vice president, obviously, is Mike Pence. So we still would be fine. We cannot lose another. The problem with Collins and Murkowski circling back, and I'm sorry for the circuitous pass here, path here, but I had to set up the problem with Flake right now, how he's not going to vote no matter what, he's lost, is Collins and Murkowski will rarely, Collins specifically, will rarely let someone get to the left of them. In other words, if someone takes a left-leaning vote like Flake, Collins and Murkowski will likely want to beat them because Collins and Murkowski as well like to kiss the butts collectively of the left-wing media as well because they want to be seen as bipartisan actors. Bipartisan actors, which really means they, uh, you know, they're, they're catering up to liberal demands. That's all that means. There's no such thing. Right. It's, it's total nonsense. There's nothing bipartisan about selling out your soul and selling your party. So now do you see the, the problem, Joe, the conundrum we're in? Oh, yes, If I Flake do. votes no, Collins and Murkowski lose their, air quotes here, bona fides as serious bipartisan thinkers because even Jeff Flake voted no. You get, you're tracking me? You bet. If even Jeff Flake voted no. Jeff Flake is serious. This is the left-wing media. And we all, yeah. we all know Jeff Flake is a loser. Um, but Jeff, Jeff Flake even voted no. Susan Collins, how could you? So the problem here is if we lose Flake, there's a strong possibility we lose Collins and Murkowski. Now, folks, I understand we're getting into game theory here. 
And we're getting into some serious if-then, modus tonins, modus bones kind of logic. I remember that from college, right? I know, I understand, but this is important you track this. Because now you might be sensing the problem. If you're telling us Flake has already lost, Dan, then why are we continuing to double down with pressure, political pressure tactics on Flake if you're already saying it's over? (sighs) Because I don't think it is. I think we can save the judge. And this has to be the fight of our time. This is about more than the judge, folks. This is about fighting back against the police state Democrats, their endless tyranny, their culture wars, their attacks on every single one of us at a personal deep level, efforts to destroy lives, to destroy families, to destroy futures. This is an effort to fight back against what we now know is an evil party. Now, keep in mind, I'm not calling Democrat voters out there. I mean that. There are a lot of people out there I know are frustrated because I saw them in church this weekend who are registered Democrats. Sure. Don't mistake that at all. This is directed specifically at Hill Democrats. Specifically, make no mistake. Do not misinterpret my words. What they are doing right now, Hill Democrats, the House included, and I'll get to that in a minute, the House of Representatives included, is pure, unadulterated evil. Ladies and gentlemen, this has to be a red line. Save the judge no matter what. Save the judge. If we don't, I'm not going to say all is lost because I don't believe in any of that. The fight continues and suffering is what we've been granted as a gift to find our path to true happiness. Use that Malamud again, Bernard Malamud quote. But folks, we are going to find ourselves in a rut that's going to be very hard to get out of. This has to be the red line. This has to be the link shields moment between the never Trump Republicans, the Trump Republicans, the libertarians, the conservatives, moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans. We have got to link shields and save the judge. Here's how we do it. So I just told you a flake no vote is probably disastrous because Collins will not be outflanked on the left. This is why I believe an endless pressure campaign over the next few days on flake, on flake himself, public, everyone has to get involved. Everybody. Breitbart, conservative review. I'm talking about opinion. News guys, you do what you want. I get it. I don't, I'm like the left. I believe news should be about facts. But on the opinion side, the editorial side, and the facts, by the way, don't add up for them either. Let me be clear on that, too. I'll get to that, too. (laughs) Folks, it has to be relentless. It has to be a relentless pressure campaign on Flake. Because, Joe, it has to send a message to Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski that there will be no refuge from this vote. I tweeted out last night, and I mean it. The new rules, ladies and gentlemen, are in effect, and the new rules are this. We will never, ever, ever vote Democrat again. Rule number one. You may say, well, that's a simple one. You'd be surprised, folks. It's not. You, if that party label now, that party label, if you decide to run under it, is now cancerous. They have shown themselves to be evil, not just to have bad ideas, but the Hill Democrats have shown themselves to engage and embrace pure evil, the destruction of a human being's life forever because he opposes them ideologically. Straight ticket Republican from this point. I, listen, listen to me, please. Again, I'm doubling down on Friday's show. I'm clearly not telling you Republicans have all the answers, okay? They are not. Mm-hmm. This show has been very fair in its criticism of both sides. I'm not running again. I have no political interest in telling you any of this, folks. I'm uh, None. The Republicans may not be the answer, but the Democrats are an absolute cancer. This is an evil party, straight ticket Republican, no matter what. We can pressure the Republicans in primaries from now on. That goes to rule number two. 
Any Republican on the Capitol Hill side, whether the House of Representatives or the Senate, I understand it's the Senate's role in this. The House of Representatives doesn't have it. But you got to get your House Republican Congress people on the record as well. They can talk to their Senate colleagues. They can engage their Senate colleagues. Any, absolutely any effort whatsoever to not support the judge. Any effort to tank the judge from the Senate side or the House side. You will never get our vote in a primary again. You will never get a dollar from us. You will never get a volunteer hour from us. It is over. Your grassroots operation is finished. You are finished in the primary. Those are the rules, folks. This is the fight. This is the fight of our time. You, if, if, you've ne- if you've marginally been involved in politics up till now, I am begging you humbly and respectfully to please, God, and I am not using his name in vain, allow him to inspire you to fight back right now. The destruction of this man is the sickest, most deranged thing I've ever seen in my life. The grotesque nature of what the Democrats are doing is so utterly repulsive that if we don't stop it now, nobody is safe. No one. Nobody is safe. Any CEO who takes a public position on any policy leaning in the Republican direction is not safe. Any politician, their past, what they did, what they drank, who they hung out with, nobody is safe. Let me just sum up the strategy because I got a lot to move on. I got a ton of material to cover today. Flake is done. He's done. If he changes his mind, it will only be because of relentless pressure. It will, I, it, it will not, under any circumstances, be due to you cozying up to him. I only bring it up because a friend of mine who I respect deeply, I'm not going to say who it is, had suggested to me that, Dan, I think you're going over. I'm, I'm just telling you, listen, I'm giving you both sides, even when it's against me. Mm-hmm. A guy who I respect, who's a very knowledgeable guy, said, I, I think your, your strategy is going to backfire. Flake needs to be cozied up to to get a yes vote on the floor to pass him through. I wholeheartedly, 1,000% disagree with all due respect to my friend. It is not personal. Flake is, the flattery of Jeff Flake only matters on the media side. And the media side will only flatter Jeff Flake if he's a no vote. He is done. He's cooked. Forget him. He's a Judas. A strategy that's going to work is relentless pressure on Flake so that Collins and Murkowski, even though traditionally, And historically, they will try to outflank Flake to the left and will not let Flake take a position they won't take. If Collins and Murkowski realize this is the end of their political careers, the end of their political careers, there will be no money, there will be no volunteers. See, it is the end of Flake's political career. Mm -hmm. Flake's done. You understand that, right, Joe? Flake is done. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, Flake even acknowledged it in his pathetic, whiny 60 Minutes interview where he said, Joe, in the interview, where they asked him in the interview, hey, if you weren't running for re-election, would you have voted for this delay? He goes, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't have voted for it. Basically saying, I'm a total coward, and if I had to actually be accountable to the people who elected me to office, which I should be, even though I'm not running again, if I still had to be accountable electorally, I would have done the right thing. This guy is a fraud. The pressure on him has to be so relentless. So relentless. That Collins and Murkowski see the writing on the wall and say, you know what? I'm sorry, but this is this, for Collins and Murkowski. This is a series of two not palatable choices for them. 
you have to make them with a no vote on the floor the most unpalatable choice possible. There will be no money. There will be no volunteer time. There will be a primary. There will be no primary vote for them. Their careers in the Republican Party will be effectively finished. It is the only way, folks. I told you this on Friday. If you think any of this is going to change by somehow greasing the palms or kissing the collective asses of a bunch of rhino Republicans and fake uh, you know, conservative Democrats who are not really conservatives at all, if you think anything's going to change by kissing their butts, you are delusional. These people respond to raw, raw political power and pressure. That is it. Flake acknowledged it himself. If I was running for re-election, I would have taken a different path. Susan Collins and Murkowski are. Granted, not in this cycle. They're not in the same Senate class. The Senate classes are every six years. But Collins and Murkowski have to be told under no uncertain circumstances from voters in Maine and Alaska, you're up, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, in Maine and Alaska, you're up. And of Arizona, you're still up. The re- you have to, it has to be relentless. It is your time to do. This is the red line. This is the fight for our cause. It's a fight for your kids. It is a fight for the country. It is a fight for due process. And it is the culture war and the new rules I was talking about. You have to exercise this raw political power. Talk is cheap. Action matters. The do matters. The rest is total garbage. Now, I would be irresponsible if I didn't tell you and give you chalk talk out, as we used to say in the Secret Service. We didn't chalk talk out the what ifs. We used to do this all the time. We'd sit on Air Force One and say, well, okay, what if an assassin comes behind stage and slips? What do we do then? We'd call it chalk talk. And that's how we would go through in our heads, unlikely, but plausible scenarios. It would be irresponsible for me to give you, not give you a course of action if Kavanaugh goes down. All of that was meant to motivate you to push Collins and Murkowski to ensure he doesn't. And if you do the right thing, email, call, under no circumstances will you support them in the future. If they fold, this will never, ever be forgotten. You know how votes are scored, Joe, on guns and everything else? Mm -hmm. Heritage and NRA Mm -hmm. and other people, they score votes. This is the only score that ever matters right now. You let them know that, I think we can persuade them to break from flake. Break from flake. Maybe we should make a shirt out of that. (laughs) But if they don't, if they don't, you cannot, you cannot allow this to break you in November. I get it, folks. I understand. I read your tweets. I give you my email for a reason. I want to hear from you. I am one of the few hosts out there who gives personal email, that emails from my personal account. My wife, sorry, um, I don't want to get too emotional about this, but. Paula wanted me to relay something to you. I love my wife to death. Gosh, I've never been more in love with her. We went on a date this weekend in our house. (laughs) Basically just sat there and had a bottle of wine. Um, We did because we needed to get away from it. But she wanted me, she asked me, she rarely does this. She asked me once to read an email from a little girl who was a fan of the show. But she rarely does this because she knows I only have an hour with you and she doesn't want to waste any of your time. But she's been reading some of your stories. We got, I didn't tell you this, Joe, but it's very emotional. So just bear with me for a minute. I'm trying to hold it together. The people who have sent stories, the women out there who have emailed my wife and I, because we read them, your stories are brutal. They're hard to read. And when I say your stories, I think you can figure out what I mean. There are women out there who have 
been molested, assaulted, raped. The stories are unbearable to read. We're, we're honored and horrified at the same time. Honored that you shared them with us. Horrified that it happened. The reason my wife and I are not responding to your emails, to the ladies out there who have been um, honored enough with your stories, is not because we're ignoring you. It's because we don't know what to say. I genuinely don't know what to say. There are no words I can pass to you to make you feel better about the, the disgusting things that happen to you. There are no words I can pass to you to... to honor your strength and sharing it and mo having moved on with your life after it. There's not, I've never been to, I have no idea the pain you're dealing with. She asked me to personally, from the bottom of her heart and mine as well, I read them too. Thank you for sharing that with us. But Joe, those emails came from people who are disgusted about what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you the truth, folks. This is not... This is not me, uh, you know, trying to exaggerate this for effect. Those emails came from women who are absolutely disgusted about what's happening right now to Kavanaugh. There's a powder keg these Democrats are lighting, and I don't think they have any idea that they're pulling a pin on a grenade right now. Folks, the fury developing out there in the United States about what the Democrats have done is incredible. It is volcanic. Havelock Ellis has a great quote. You know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of the quote stuff, but sometimes you see people sum things up beautifully and I can't be as elegant, so I just repeat them. Havelock Ellis said, you know, civilization at times becomes a thin crust on a volcano. We're at that moment. Now you may say, how does this tie into your if we lose Kavanaugh, if we can't save the judge strategy? You cannot let... The results of what sellout spineless jellyfish do up on Capitol Hill, specifically one of them right now, Jeff Flake, keep you from voting these savages out of office in November. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter what, I know I've been down on the Republican Party for a long time. They've sold us out. I think Trump is finally pulling us back in the right direction. And gosh, I wish they'd back him more. But folks, make no mistake, you are choosing right now between incompetence and pure evil and if you can't see the difference i don't know what to tell you you have to get out there you have to bring 10 friends with you you have to bring 20 friends with you and you have got to vote in november there is no excuse regardless of what happens i get it it will be a colossal defeat but and we will somehow somehow have to make it right with the judge i don't know what we're gonna do i don't know the GoFundMe the judge has is exploding. I don't know. I'm, I know money is going gonna, is gonna to make him ha none. His life has been ruined. I'm not even trying to uh, equate, but I, do, I, don't, I don't have the answer for you right now how we, we, we somehow, if, if the judge's is, uh, is confirmation is, uh, is destroyed and sabotaged, I don't have an easy answer for you right now. Maybe we wait for that. We win the Senate back because we show up in a, in a red, uh, forget about a, a, a red, a blue wave. If we show up in a red avalanche of voters, maybe we take three, four more seats in the Senate. We get rid of these losers like Jeff Flake. We tell Collins and Murkowski to pound sand. We renominate Kavanaugh again and push him through with 52 votes. 
But folks, I'm begging you from the bottom of my heart, please don't let what happens stop you from voting. This is a serious fight, folks. This is, you know, I had an AP history teacher once in high school. Yeah, he was a Democrat, but he was a good guy. And he explained to me that what stops people from seeing fights sometimes is existential in politics, especially in the United States, is the presence of a middle class. Think about this, folks. It was a very sage remark. Who has nothing to lose? Think about it. In Venezuela right now, if you're eating pigeons and dogs in the street, do you have anything to lose by a legitimate fight for your future? Hell no. Nothing. You're damn right, Joe. Hell no is right. You got nothing to lose. You have nothing. You're starving. Your kids are starving. You're looking them in the eye every day. You're looking at the tears as you don't even have food for them. You're watching this this slob pig Maduro destroy the entire country like Chavez did before him. You have nothing to lose. The problem, and I, I use the term problem in a different kind of way. I don't mean it qualitatively. I mean it the problem for this specific tactical scenario. Mm-hmm politically tactical speaking, politically and tactically speaking, is the presence of a middle class. People feel like they have too much to lose sometimes. So they just withdraw. They go, ah, you know what? I'll be okay. My business will be okay if we lose Kavanaugh. At least they're not coming for me. They are coming for you. Do you understand this is the fight? Don't let the presence of having something to lose, my house or my business, dissuade you and distract you from the. This is it. This is the fight. I'm telling you nobody's safe after this. You will regret not getting involved right now. You will look back and say that was the moment. You have got to vote no matter what in November. No matter what. There is absolutely no excuse. I, I'm telling you, I've said my, my congressman's a personal friend. He's a nice guy. I have significant disagreements with him on a number of issues. I am, I'm, I'm voting. I, I have to. For him. There is, you have no choice, folks. The choices are, are, are bad and inept in some cases and absolutely devastating. Let me make one more point about this. And I, listen, I've been guilty about this too at times, folks. I don't absolve myself of responsibility. I'm, I, I, I can't say this enough. I'm just a guy. I predicted she wouldn't show up last week. I was wrong. I took full responsibility. No buts, no excuses, nothing. Sometimes I say things even on Twitter that I, later on I, I, I feel like, gosh, I shouldn't have said that and I should have been a little more measured and I let my emotions get the best of me. Why voting for a Democrat in an upcoming November election in a swing state you think sends a message to really what is one Republican right now, Jeff Flake, is, is bizarre. It is not the full Republican Party. You doubt me? Look at Mike Lee's face. I don't have it's it's a I don't have the video. Okay, it's a uh, I, I I it's an audio show. You know, hint it may be coming in the future, right? But when Jeff Flake on the on the Judiciary Committee vote says that he needs this FBI investigation, I want you to look at Mike Lee's face and what he does. He looks up into the sky in what clearly is a moment of utter frustration. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is that it is flake. It is not the Republican Party that sold you out on this. It is not. McConnell simply doesn't have the vote. Believe me, it pains me to say this. I've never been a McConnell guy. It pains me to say this. 
But McConnell is not selling you out. He doesn't have the votes right now. You need to create unbelievable pressure. And if the pressure doesn't work, then McConnell needs to take a vote no matter what and get them on the record as a no. I told you what to do. They tanked this guy's career, his life, and everything else. We come back in November with a passion like they've never seen. We pick up three, four more seats and renominate him again. Renominate. Get Amy Coney Barrett up there. And we put a conservative on the courts and we take the air out of their balloon for the upcoming Trump election in 2020. All right. I haven't even gotten to their change in narrative yet. Uh, forgive me, but I'm, this is, folks, this is not a, this is, you know, my show has been Spygate heavy for the last few months. This, this is it. This is the story now. But, and trust me when I tell you, that hurt. I got a book coming out. <laughs> There's not, right? There's nothing more I'd like to tell you than Spygate's the biggest thing. Ever. It is until this. Right, Joe? Couldn't have been worse timing. Damn. Too bad. It doesn't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't Damn. even care. It doesn't matter. Take the money. I don't even care. That is, this is how important this is right now. All right. Uh, today's show also brought to you by uh, Stansbury Research. I got a couple other angles I want to get to. Stansbury Research. An interesting story coming out of Baltimore today. A former hedge fund manager named Dr. Steve Sudgergood, who's credited for predicting the dot-com crash, the, 20, uh, the 2003 gold boom, the housing bust, the post-2008 stock rally, and Dow 20,000 is now saying that October 24th will change the financial situation for countless Americans. A 25-year stock market vet is urging Americans, retirees especially, to get out of cash before October 24th. The guru with a following of 441,000, including financial celebrities like best-selling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, institutional investor David Tice, and investing legend Jim Rogers, says this day could determine who gets rich in America in the years to come and who gets left behind. Visit OctoberPrediction8.com to see why and how he suggests you prepare, prepare for October 24th. Again, that's OctoberPrediction, the number 8.com. That's OctoberPrediction, the number not spelled out, 8.com. OctoberPrediction8.com. Go check it out by Stansbury Research. All right. Um, folks, I said in the title of the show, did you catch the uh, impending narrative change on Kavanaugh now? Now, there's something else going on behind the scenes. I, um, I, yeah, did you see what's coming? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. The, yeah um, there's actually a couple narrative changes going on. I'm trying to find a way to sum this up for you easily. Let me start with the headline first so we don't have to get, and then I'll explain later. I find that's an easier way to do things. The old Democratic narrative against Kavanaugh the old, by the way, old, I'm talking about like last Friday, but in political years is like dog years is, you know, it, it, it was like 57 years ago. Right. The old uh, thing is he's a sex assaulter, gang raper, um, train raper, serial predator, whatever the, you know, the, the sickest of the sick. Right. They're having a problem with that narrative. I'll get to that in a minute. The new narrative now. And if you're not witnessing the shift, please, please read the show notes today. Byron York has a great piece at the Washington Examiner laying out exactly how the shift is going down. The shift now, Joe, is to narrative number two. Narrative number two is Brett Kavanaugh is a hopeless drunk who blacks out. And there's a... Re Where is that from? Love Connection or something? <laughs> Price is Right? Uh, it's got to be the Price the is Cleveland Right. The Cleveland show, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, the new narrative is going to be the blackouts. Oh, now, there is a reason Christ. for this. Here is what's going on. Oh. And I, 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 
Read the show notes because I have a few articles about this today. The original narrative of Brett Kavanaugh being a sex assaulter and serial predator, now that the FBI investigation is opening up, Joe, is falling apart dramatically. Christine Ford's testimony has been now openly questioned by Rachel Mitchell, the professional sex crimes investigator from uh, Maricopa that was pulled in. I know a lot of you were down on her. Remember Rachel Mitchell? She was at the committee hearing. The Republican mm-hmm. senators surrendered their time there. A lot of people were down on, on Miss Mitchell there. Oh, this was bad. She did a bad job. Folks, I disagreed strongly last week and I'll disagree now. I think she did a fine job of getting uh, Christine Ford on the record to tell her story because now the story, folks, has some very, very serious questions. Yeah. And last night, last night, she put out a memo that the GOP senators read that is absolutely devastating to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's story. Now, keep in mind, the headline was first. They're shifting now from sex crimes to alcoholism and blackouts, blackouts, blackouts. I, Remember the I blackouts. I knew this was coming with Corey Booker's questioning of uh, I know you did I because I, you told me that. <laughs> You're like, watch, watch. They're going to switch. Yeah. They're going to switch. They always telegram. But the shift is now happening. Yeah. The blackout part's important, though. It's not just the booze. And remember, he was very happy. Were you conscious the whole day? You guys ever blackout? This is what the Sheldon Whitehouse, the same thing. Yeah. Let me read to you first from Rachel Mitchell's memo. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's long. But I'm going to read some highlights from her memo about why Christine Blasey's Ford story has way too many holes for any kind of... She was a prosecutor for not only a prosecution, but even charges. Hmm. There's not... there. The story just has too many holes. She talks about how in a July 6th text to the Washington Post, she said it happened in the mid-80s. In a July 30th letter to Feinstein, she said it happened in the early 80s. In the early 80s. Yet her August 7th uh, statement to the polygrapher, she said it happened in the high school summer in the early 80s. But she crossed out for some reason the word early for reasons she did not explain. Folks, there's a reason for this. The reason for this is they didn't want to narrow it down to a time frame where they could be refuted. So all of a sudden, the book, Mark Judge's book, the fact that Judge, who she alleges was there, has a passage about working in a Safeway in 1982. All of a sudden, in a September 16th Washington Post article, Dr. Ford said it happened in the summer of 1982. Yet again... Her notes from a therapy session in 2013 show her describing the assault as happening in her late teens. Mm. But she told the Post and committee that she was 15, which is not her late teens when the assault allegedly occurred. She has not turned over the therapy records for the committee to review. Rachel Mitchell's uh, uh, conclusion, Joe, while it is common for victims to be uncertain about dates, Dr. Ford failed to explain how she was suddenly able to narrow the time frame to summer of 1982 to a particular season and a particular year. Despite the fact, folks, that she was her that her recollection of when it happened went from early to late 80s to early teens to late teens to mid teens. Folks, the story has unbelievable holes in it. Here's another one. This goes on for a while, but I'm, I'm just going to put this one more because this is what this is going to explain the blackouts narrative and why it's important. Perhaps most importantly, this is Dr. Mitchell's memo, excuse me, Rachel Mitchell's memo. Uh, she does not remember how she got from the party back to her house. Her inability to remember this detail raises significant questions. She told the Washington Post that the party took place near the Columbia Country Club. I know that place well, by the way. The club is more than seven miles from her childhood home as the crow flies, and she testified that it was a roughly 20-minute drive from her childhood home. She agrees in her testimony she was driven somewhere 
that night, either to the party or from or both. Dr. Ford was able to describe hiding in the bathroom, locking the door, and subsequently exiting the house. She also described wanting to make sure that she did not look like she had been attacked, but she has no memory of who drove her or when, nor has anyone come forward to identify him or herself as the driver. Here it is. Given that all of this took place before cell phones, arranging a ride home would not have been easy. Indeed, she stated that she ran out of the house after coming downstairs and did not state that she made a phone call from the house before she did or that she called anyone thereafter. However, she remembers small distinct details from the party unrelated to the assault. For example, she testified that she had exactly one beer at the party and was taking no medication at the time of the assault. Folks, this story has enormous, enormous holes in it. This is a real problem here. We're talking about a man's life, a dedicated public servant, a son, a father, a basketball coach, a mentor in the community, a guy who's had an unimpeachable, impeccable record of public service, documented, on the record, a charitable man, a giving guy, a guy whose recommendations by peers and people who've worked with them has been absolutely flawless. You're talking about ruining his life. Ladies and gentlemen, That requires some evidence. Due process does not only apply in criminal cases. Due process applies in union negotiations. As I said last week, in contract negotiations, people expect some degree of morality and ethics in the negotiation of the destruction of somebody's life. You have to provide some evidence and the evidence in this case, ladies and gentlemen, is not adding up anymore. Now, back to the headline. Reminds me of Pink Floyd, The Wall. Remember that album, Joe? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know the trick for the album? If you played it, Is This Where We Came In? Did you know that? No. Mm-mm. If you play the old uh, Pink Floyd album, The Wall, right before Roger Waters became crazy, I used to actually like Pink Floyd. The end of one side of the album says, Is This Where? And the beginning of the other side says, we came in. So if you play it, is this where we came in? If you play the album on loop, do you know that? Uh, no. Cool. Yeah. That's on the wall. Pink Floyd, the wall. I'm, I listen I'm to it. So find many it and try it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's true. It's, it's still there. It's on the cassette too. If you play the end. Um, well, is this where we came in? And it is where we came in. Here's where the blackouts are important. Folks, Christine Ford's case is falling apart on the evidence side. I don't know what happened to Christine Ford. I have no idea. I wasn't there. I know she testified under oath in front of Congress that something happened where it was Brett Kavanaugh. The evidence for that case has way too many holes at this point. The case is falling apart, and the Democrats absolutely know this, Joe. Their next line of attack is going to require them to prove that Brett Kavanaugh was a helpless, pathetic drunk with blacked out all the time. It is the blackouts. This is the reason, as you accurately called last week, that the Democrats are bringing it up. Why, folks? Come on, I know you're putting this together. I have the smartest audience out there based on your emails. They are now going to move down the path that this probably happened when he was blacked out, Kavanaugh, oh, and yeah. he could not, right? And he couldn't remember. Oh, you yeah. saw this coming from a mile away, and he can't remember any of it. Therefore, the Ramirez incident, uh, Ms. Ramirez, who alleges that Kavanaugh exposed himself at Yale, and the Dr. Ford incident, where she alleges this sexual assault, 
The Democrats understanding the evidence in this FBI investigation is not going to be there. Nope. And this is going to come back at best as unsubstantiated charges. The Democrats are now going to allege that it was his helpless drunk who blacked out, who could have done this, but he doesn't remember. And that's why there's no evidence of the incident in the Kavanaugh. So he just doesn't remember doing it. Folks, Joe, I, I think you see what's going on here. Sure. Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is this is endless, ruthless it, character assassination on Kavanaugh. That's right, Dan. We have got to draw the line. The blackout narrative is new. Yeah. This is where they're going next. Ah. Second narrative, which I have another article in the show notes about today. And the, well, it's not really the second narrative. It's going to kind of play into the angry, drunk, blackout narrative is that Kavanaugh's response when he gave that fiery, passionate speech that brought tears to the eyes of anybody who listened to it in his defense. Their response here, Joe's losing his mind in the studio. This story, I know, Joe, I'm with you on this. It's a passionate one. Their response now is going to be that he's too angry to serve in the Supreme Court. You have that Nancy Pelosi line queued up? Yeah, I got it. Joe pulled this this morning. This is Pelosi. Now, remember how it's my responsibility to tell you, here's what happens if we if Kavanaugh gets it. Here's what happens if he goes down. We have to have a backup plan. The Democrats have a backup plan. I don't know if you're hearing this anywhere else, but the backup plan is going to be this. If the angry blackout drunk narrative doesn't work and they can't tank his nomination and he gets through. There's going to be a move to do something very specific after he gets on claiming that his his fiery response made him too angry and partisan. He shouldn't be on the Supreme Court, even if he is confirmed. Pelosi, who's the ringleader of a lot of this charade up on the Hill, is already pointing to the narrative. Well, let's take it one step at a time. I was asked that question yesterday morning and I said, divine intervention, whatever it takes. Let's see if we can't get to a better place than that. But I will say this, if uh, Judge Kavanaugh, see, I'm being really respectful, President Trump, Judge Kavanaugh, if, <laughs> if, they, if he is not telling the truth to Congress or to the FBI, then he's not fit not only to be on the Supreme Court, but to be in the, on the court that he's on right now. You hear it? Mm. Folks, here's what's happening right now. Make no mistake. As Bill Paxton says, an alien, stop your grinning and drop your linen. Here it goes. No matter what happens, there's going to be a push to have him removed from whatever court he winds up on. Yep. Either the Supreme Court or where he is now in the D.C. Court of Appeals, Brett Kavanaugh. There will be an investigation. No, Dan, there won't be an investigation. Really? Read my show notes today. Clown, clown joker, Jerry Nadler, a hack congressman, an, another uh, uh, another guy who has, you know, a, a creature of the swamp of the worst order. Jerry Nadler, what's he calling for? Keep in mind, he's in the House. He's not in the Senate. Man. They have no advice and consent role, the House at all, in nominations, right? So I told you you have to pressure your congressman, too. Jerry Nadler is now calling for an investigation of Brett Kavanaugh, no matter what happens. Jerry, Jerry Nadler is deeply connected to the liberal D.C. swamp and the activist groups. Folks, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So plan A, the blackout strategy, he doesn't remember. He probably assaulted these people, and he just doesn't remember because he's an angry drunk. Plan B, he screamed in defiance at the meeting, showing he has no judicial temperament. We need to investigate this guy for being a partisan on the courts, and we need to have him impeached even from the Circuit Court of Appeals after he gets, or if he doesn't get on, or if he gets on the Supreme Court, he has to be removed, and we will discredit every decision he made. 
Who's next? Clarence Thomas is next. A personal hero of mine. One of the great patriots of our time. If we don't stop this now, they will go after him next, too. You may say, what do you mean, Danny's big was confirmed years ago. Folks, this will never stop. This will never, ever stop. I'm telling you, it will never stop. They will look to impeach judges from the court. This is a disgrace of historic proportions. This all goes back to critical theory, too, folks. Remember the show I did on critical theory? Oh, yeah. The left is obsessed with taking down what they believe the white matri- uh, patriarchal uh, power structure is. They don't believe knowledge is real. In other words, two plus two doesn't equal four to the hardcore leftists. Because if that knowledge is a construct of power that white males have, then all knowledge and facts should be questioned. This is, their, this is what they believe. This angry white male Brett Kavanaugh new narrative... He's an angry white male. Look what he did up there. Fits right into multiple molds. Folks, this is how I sum this whole thing up. If Brett Kavanaugh goes down, that narrative will never, ever go away. If you are a male, if you are white, if you are either of those things, and you are accused in public by anyone of anything, due process will not matter anymore. And if you dare to angrily respond, you will then not only be accused of being a rapist or a sexual assaulter, you will be accused of being an angry white male who is not eligible to sit on whatever position that is, a board, a coach, a job, a public company, whatever it is, political office, this is the beginning of the end if we don't fight back now. This is the red line. They're testing it, folks. They're testing the narrative here. Make absolutely no mistake. All right. Um, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition, the finest nutrition supplement company out there on the market now. I have no reservations in saying that. They've been with me from the beginning. Their products are excellent. I want to talk today about Foundation. Foundation is an, an absolutely amazing product. Uh, it'll make you look better. It'll make you feel better. Matter of fact, a friend of mine who's taken it just texted me this weekend, uh, an old Secret Service buddy. He want, <laughs> He's like, I love that stuff. Need a promo code. It's, I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's the best stuff out there. It is a creatine ATP blend, which allows you to have the unbelievably transformative body effects of creatine, but ATP as well. They were one of the first people to put that in their product, and it's a really wonderful product. Now, you got to give it a few days to load, but in case you have any doubts about how effective foundation is, I ask you to take the mirror test. Look at yourself in the mirror. Take a little mental snapshot. What do I look like? What do I not look like? Check that out. Right. Take a mental snapshot. Go get a bottle of foundation at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. And look in the mirror again seven days later. Your wife, your husband, whatever's my wife's on foundation now. I kid you not. She listens to the show. She loves it. She's like, gosh, your muscles get really hard. You get, you know, you just look better. You feel better. Your performance in the gym is just incredible. Go give it a shot. Yeah, the email feedback on this product has been amazing for years now since I've been advertising it. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Okay. Um, I want to ask another question before. We, I, I want to get to Kanye quick. I don't want to spend too much time on Kanye West, but it is important what happened this weekend. But I just want to leave you with this. Um, Josh Holmes, who used to, I think, work for McConnell. He does Fox. I've, I, you know, I, I, this guy's become a pretty uh, solid, strong observer of the political environment. I want to read something to you just quickly from him about the political environment and just show you how this is blowing up in the Democrats' face, this, this real ruthless, evil attack on Kavanaugh. 
He says, uh, logically, it does make some sense that Republicans are enraged by this process and therefore red states are seeing a surge of intensity, said Josh Holmes, president and founding partner of Cavalry and former chief of staff to U.S. Senator, uh, Senate leader Mitch McConnell. Here's a great quote, Joe. The fact that most of the competitive Senate races this year are located in deep red territory is where this begins to be extremely problematic for the Democrats. Democrats have had a serious voter intensity uh, advantage this cycle, folks, that is going to disappear and disappear quickly. I'm telling you, the people are enraged by this. I am hearing it everywhere. I have a neighbor, a guy, a, 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 his name is Frank. I'm going to say his last. He has been texting me all weekend about this. I, I, I love the guy, but I've never had this. People are texting me left and right. They are enraged by this. And th- the reason is they don't just see it as a political fight. They see it as a fight for due process and fairness and their families, too. Mm-hmm. And I just want to leave you with this one question. Because you're going to get this a lot. And I noticed Charlie Kirk had some confrontation. He videoed with some activists. And I hear this a lot. They say people are to be believed. Folks, as a former activist and candidate myself, I want to encourage you to embrace this. Embrace this always. People can avoid an assertion. They can never avoid a question. If you say something as an assertion or a statement of fact, a lot of people who ideologically disagree with it, Joe, either ignore it, disregard it, or if it conflicts with their worldview, they throw it out. They don't even care. It is very difficult the way human beings are wired for you to avoid an assertion. I mean, a question. Now, I bring that up because whenever you hear that people are to be believed, your first response back should be people are to always be believed. Under what circumstances should an accuser not be believed? Are there any? Watch them. Serious question. Under any, under what circumstances, if any, is an accuser not to be believed? So when you talk to that person, if I were to accuse you right now of stealing my cell phone, am I to be believed? Because if I, if, if that's the case, I'm going to call the police now. That's ridiculous. You have your cell phone. Oh, so you're telling me evidence matters. The fact that I'm still in possession of my cell phone makes it there. Are we clear? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, I have my cell phone. So you're stating to me that I have no corroboration and no evidence. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to hat tip Rush Limbaugh on this because he's right. An accusation is not evidence. An accusation is an accusation. Evidence are corroborating factors that indicate the accusation is true. Your first question, do not get into an assertions battle. You will always lose. People can avoid assertions. They cannot avoid questions. Your first question back should be, under what circumstances, if any, should someone not be believed? If they respond back, there are no circumstances. Everybody should believe every single time. Accuse them of stealing your cell phone and threaten to call the police. They'll be like, well, call the police. You have your cell phone. Okay. So you're saying evidence matters. I still have my cell phone. I thought you said the accusation was evidence. Folks, this is why to circle back. Thanks, buddy. Josh Holmes is right, and people are enraged about this. They are not pissed. They are not furious. They are volcanic with their rage at this because they understand this is the first step towards police state tyranny right now. Any accusation, anytime. Remember that horrible Robert De Niro Frankenstein movie? I actually liked it, but everybody hated it. At one point in the street, Frankenstein's walking down the street. There's the cholera, the disease cholera. They, they think oh, he had cholera and everybody starts to, there's the cholera. This is it. This is that there's the cholera moment. 
If everybody's the cholera and everybody's Hester Prynne and has to wear the scarlet letter with, with evidence or lack of evidence, it's over. You have made the first step towards a tyrannical police state no matter what. We cannot allow this to happen. I'm telling you, this is the... this. Triage your time. This is the most important thing to you right now. For your kids, for the country, for everything. This is it. You have got to fight this fight. Emails, calls, everything. Show up anywhere you can and make your voice heard. All right, one last story. It's important. I wanted to spend a little more time on this, but I did Fox and Friends this morning. I have a great piece up. Uh, the Daily Caller wrote up about it. Uh, I spoke to, I don't usually do a lot of these stories on Fox and Friends, and I have to be honest, when they sent me the topic, I was a little, eh. But then, you know, as I got into it, and it wasn't my typical kind of fiery appearances, but I got to tell you, folks, I walked off the air this morning in my studio, and I was very proud of, of it because I, it's not really my wheelhouse, these cultural Kanye West kind mm-hmm. of stories. But I was proud of what I said, and I think it mattered. I'm asking you again, humbly and respectfully, please don't discount and laugh at what happened to Kanye West. Kanye West this weekend was on Saturday Night Live. He's obviously a very famous performer. Uh, He was on Saturday Night Live, and he came out at the end with a MAGA hat and gave a pretty impassioned speech about how they tried to bully him into not wearing the Make America Great Again hat. Kanye West also happens to be black, something that is absolutely irrelevant to you and me. But of course, to the identity politics left, it is all that matters. Kanye West, as I said this morning on Fox and Friends, and please read the Daily Caller piece. There's video of it in there. I'm very proud of it. I know self-praise stinks, but I am. I think it was one of the more important appearances I've done, even though it doesn't. People like the fiery debates and the yelling back and forth. But folks, I'm telling you, of all the things I've done, I think this one was one of the more important ones. Please don't ignore this. Kanye West has something we need. Kanye West has cultural capital. Cultural capital. It's not political capital. He has capital. He has people are invested in him who are not invested in politics. And folks, one of the most successful things the Democrat Party has done to us over the last four decades of my life is they have successfully gotten minority voters and kids to avoid taking a look at the Republican Party because they've stated to people that Republicans aren't people with bad ideas, they're bad people with ideas. There is a world of difference between the two. There is a reason they use the istophobic, phobophobe strategy, calling you racist, misogynist, you get the whole litany of stuff. Hannity runs it down every night in his show. And I'm glad he does it. The reason they do that is because they don't want young people and minority voters to actually look at your ideas if you're a conservative. Wait, wait, religious liberty, economic freedom, healthcare freedom, school choice. That seems pretty palatable to me. They can't have that. So what they do is they engage in a culture war. The media and the Democrats, because they're the same thing. The media is nothing more than a sick propaganda arm for the Democrat Party. I don't take them seriously anymore. Neither should you. They engage in this battle trying to get you to believe that Republicans are bad people. Bad people. Remember, nobody's talking about ideas. This is why what happened with Kanye, please follow me, is extremely important. Andrew Breitbart always had this politics is downstream of the culture. Until we start to take back ground in this Manichaean culture war with the left, where the media and people with a public presence and cultural capital start to acknowledge that Republicans are not bad guys and bad women. We may not like their ideas at the start, but we have to look at them. These are not bad guys. If that wall isn't surmounted, 
and crossed and jumped over or smashed through. The ideas on the other side of that wall are entirely irrelevant. Nobody, nobody is paying attention to your ideas about taxes, school choice, health care, or anything else until they get over the wall of this cultural war that you are straight up evil. People like Kanye West and Kid Rock have cultural power to do this. And I strongly, strongly encourage you to tweet him. Send an email to his publicist. Thank him for standing up. I get it, folks. I get it. I said it this morning. He's probably not a conservative. I'm not suggesting we should be like Kanye 2024 running for. We don't worship idols. But the world is full of imperfect people. Kanye West being one of them. Me being one of them. We have to understand that foot soldiers in the fight all provide unique sets of skills. You don't go into combat with a bunch of generalists. You have an infantry guy who carries the saw. You have another infantry guy who has the comms equipment. You have another guy who's a breacher in a street-to-street fight. You have very specific roles. Not everybody is a generalist all the time. Kanye has a very specific role here. It is fighting the cultural war to get American kids and minority voters to open their eyes to the first time that we might not be evil. And us turning this guy away because he's had a bad comment about guns or a bad comment about about this or that is an enormous mistake. I made this mistake once. I did. I expected everybody to understand Milton Friedman, to understand the Laffer curve, the Ron curve. Marginal tax rates, economic freedom, the ways to spend money in the economy, the power of, a, of, 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 of the third party payer destruction. Th- that's great. And I, I hope Kanye opens his eyes to that one day. But that is not the fight we're in now. The fight we're in now is a cultural one before we ever get to any of those ideas. That was a mistake I made early and is one I'll always regret. We need to embrace this guy. Even if he lets us down later. He has a role in this now, and it is an important one. And you bow tie wearing snobs in the DC elitist circle, eating your foie gras with your cocktail martini lunches right now. Ah, Kanye, Kanye. <laughs> you know, Joe, do your thirst and well, howl. Yeah, you know? I'm talking about that. Uh, oh, dude, if we only had video on you right have now. Have another martini, lovey. <laughs> That Thurston Howell slobs, shut your pie holes, oh shut your soup coolers. Yeah, oh, oh, lovey, lovey, you shouldn't talk to me like that. Oh, what a Double-barreled middle finger, man, shut your pie holes. <laughs> shut up, shut your mouth. We need this guy right now. You take your foot soldiers in the war we're in. What war are you fighting yesterday's? We need this guy. And we need someone else to dance with him. Any other Hollywood entertainment people with guts that want to come out and say, you know what, I may not like these guys, but they're not that bad. You're welcome. Come on in. Welcome to the party, pal, as Bruce Willis said in Die Hard. Welcome. Come on in. We'll take you. You're welcome here. It's safe. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Friday's show in overwhelming numbers. It is uh, Friday's show is explosive. If you haven't heard it, please go back and listen. I poured my heart out for you. I was tired the whole rest of the day after that. So thanks for everything. Please subscribe to the show. It's free. Available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify. The subscriptions are free, but it drives up our, uh, our spots in the ranking. So it has a very material effect on how the show does. 
So thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow. You all are the best. Thanks for fighting a good fight. Thanks for the emails. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.